I was at a place in my life um, where I felt exceptionally shameful about my mental health struggles. And that's one reason, probably the biggest reason why I'm so open about them now, because no woman, no one, but especially no woman should ever feel like they are less than or worthless or should ever be ashamed of struggling with your mental health ever. There's never a shame in that. And it does not mean you're weak. It does not mean you're failing. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well-equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, balancers, and welcome to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. For those of you who are new here, a very warm welcome to The Balancer community, and I'm super excited for you to kickstart your journey in redefining balance and taking it back into your own hands. If you aren't already linked up with us on Instagram, jump on over. Our handle is at the balance theory, where we post sneak previews of every week's episode and lots of other little motivational tips to help you get through the week. It's also a really great place to connect with me and the community. So if you ever wanted to reach out with any suggestions or have a chat or just talk about anything I've spoken about on any of the podcasts, I'm very proactive on my DMs, so don't be shy there. Another place you can also link up with the community is in our Facebook group. So again, if you just look up The Balance Theory, a page should come up and a group will be attached with that where you can join and connect with like-minded people on a very similar journey. Now, despite the fact that today's beautiful guest does not need an introduction, I did want to share a little bit about her before we dive into today's episode. So I am beyond excited to introduce you all to Kelsey Wells who is a wife, mother, and certified personal trainer with particular expertise in postnatal training. Now, this episode is a really special one for me personally. I have been following Kelsey's journey for a very, very long time now. And to have seen her evolve and grow into all the avenues and work that she's doing now has been really inspiring. And then to be able to get her on the podcast and chat one-on-one with her about that journey was just such a special moment for me. So thank you so much to Kelsey for coming on and being so raw and honest on today's podcast from using fitness for self-empowerment and to heal ourselves instead of hating ourselves to setting sustainable fitness goals, to identifying our motive for movement and finding self-love are all things you can expect on today's chat. We speak about how to align and make sure that what you're measuring as a result makes sense for your goals and more importantly, your level of self-love. We dive into how to build trust with ourselves and confidence. We open up the conversation about not being ashamed of our mental health. And Kelsey also shares some really beautiful insight into her idea and formula for motivation. There are so many touching moments in today's chat. And I know that you listening are going to get so much out of this. But not only that, I know that you're going to know at least two people who will need to hear this chat. So feel free to send it on to them either now because you already know you're going to love it or at the end when you soak up all the goodness. Knowledge is even more powerful when we share it. So don't hold back and feel free to spread the love. On that note, if you haven't left us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would mean the absolute world to me and the Balance Theory team. It really helps us grow the community and reach more balances. So you can jump onto either platform and leave your thoughts there. That's it from me, guys. I'm so excited for you to hear this chat today. I hope you love it as much as I did. And I can't wait to chat with you all in the coming week or so about your thoughts on the episode. Let's dive straight in. Okay, Balancers, today I'm super excited to bring you a guest whose journey I've been following along for quite some time now. 
I am so honored to introduce you all to Kelsey Wells. Kelsey, a very warm welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat. Me too. I was just saying, and unfortunately, everybody listening is not going to have the incredible visuals I do, but Kelsey is sitting here with this serene, incredible mountain backdrop behind her. There's this gorgeous snow falling from the mountaintops. Tell us where you are, Kelsey. I'm based in Salt Lake City, Utah, born and raised. So this is home. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, for those listening who maybe don't follow you along on Instagram or maybe haven't sweated with you on the Sweat app, can you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, I My name is Kelsey Wells. I am a sweat trainer and creator of the Power Workout programs. So I have six programs now available in the Sweat app and um, soon to be seven. And I am really honestly, just kind of on a mission to help women redefine fitness. And what I mean by that is I just, I'm very aware, even being in the fitness industry and being a prominent fitness trainer that for a lot of people, especially a lot of women, the way that fitness has been packaged and sold and targeted to them over the last decades is incredibly toxic and harmful. And fitness is about caring for our health. And our health is mental, emotional, and physical, of course. And so I went through a huge journey of redefining fitness for myself and understanding and realizing that it's it's not all these things I thought it was, but it's a tool that first and foremost should be about my own self-empowerment. Um, and so with my programming and with my content that I create, I just hope to help as many people, but especially women as possible, understand that moving your body should be something you do to care for your body out of respect for your body and love and gratitude for your life. And yeah. I love that. That's a, it's actually a really beautiful concept that fits really nicely with how we look at balance. So it's this really nice way to reframe, I suppose, what we've been told over the years that it should be, or it shouldn't be, but I'm really curious. And I actually don't know the answer to this question. What were you doing before you really went deep into your fitness journey? Were you always in the space or were you working and doing something else? (laughs) Can you talk to me about that transition? I guess what you were doing before. I'll try to make it brief. I feel like this is like a two hour answer, (laughs) but um, in summary, basically I graduated with my bachelor's in science for interior design, actually marriage and family therapy, but my emphasis was in interior design. So I was working at a design house um, and I, it's, I always put it like this, like anybody who knew me in middle school, high school, especially college and they see what I, like what I'm doing now, they're like, I'm sorry, but no offense, but like, how did this happen? Because it was, it is the opposite of how I was um, and who I was for a really long time. For me, unfortunately, I adopted all those toxic mindsets surrounding fitness. Like it's about shrinking myself. It's about changing my body because my body was never good enough. It was about punishing my body. It was about, it was always out of a negative place. And I never exercised regularly in adulthood until, um, I guess everything shifted when I had my son, I was 24 years old and I, I long story short, I suffered, um, pretty overwhelmingly with severe postpartum anxiety and depression. And that, you know, it led me to exercise for the very first time out of an effort to help myself and heal myself instead of out of hate for myself. 
And it comes down to that motive switch. And I didn't even realize, right? Like I tried to start exercising hundreds of times probably, right? And it just, I always fell off and never worked, but it was never for the right reasons. I know that now. And basically one of my midwives suggested that exercise might help. Um, and so I was very skeptical, but I dove in and it blew my mind. Like far before I saw my body start to shift in the mirror, I started to feel better mentally. And it wasn't magic, but it was a massively helpful tool mm -hmm. that I used to have a little bit more energy to lift that weight off my chest, to be able to be a mother to my newborn. And um, I just kind of dove in to fitness out of like a sheer desire to understand. I mean, it kind of, I think I was probably eight months into my personal fitness journey of exercising regularly. Um, and I felt like I was so amazed and overwhelmed with the mental and emotional side of how fitness can impact us positively. Cause I'd only ever felt the negative of that. And that's when I became, um, I started to study as a personal trainer and it was more just like, I didn't plan on switching careers, but I, it was my outlet. It was like my mm -hmm. hobby, my passion. I wanted to understand what was physiologically happening as well as psychologically and, yeah, I guess I, I started writing a post-pregnancy program after I became a trainer to fill what I felt was a huge need for a program that met women and mothers where they were at after giving birth. Um, and then I got in contact with Kayla and Toby, who co-founded Sweat, uh, and we entered into like an agreement, gosh, it must have been September 2016, and Sweat launched May 2017. So in the interim, they helped me finish up my program and yeah, the rest is history. So I just kind of, there was never a time where I was like, I'm going to become a fitness professional or I'm going to be a trainer and it's going to be my new career. It was very organic and it truly came out of just, um, like following my passion as cheesy as that sounds. It all just yeah. kind of happened, I guess. <laughs> no, that's really beautiful. I always love hearing when whatever someone's doing now has really just come as a byproduct of something they've intuitively followed or something they've organically found has just worked for them and they want to spread that with everyone else. So I think that's a really that's powerful a perfect place. way to put it. I need you to write that down so I can just, you know, <laughs> well, it's on record. It like it's on record. Okay. <laughs> so you can listen back to it. But um, no, I, I really love that. And I think what you just said, there's something really powerful is the motive where we come from, because one side of fitness is the emotional and you know, that sole benefit you get that I think if your motive is skewed in a way where it's self-hate, not self-love, then you just don't get that those mental benefits. So I completely understand where you're coming from. I had, um, I had an experience with fitness where I was being very strict on myself, but I didn't really have a result or a goal. I was just calorie counting and I was just wanting to train five days a week, but the motive wasn't really grounded in anything. And it ended up being this very toxic um, relationship with not only my body, but my food. And it kind of got to a point where you kind of wake up and you realize, well, why am I doing this? And I think that's such an important question to ask. It's so, so simple, but asking it on a regular basis just allows you to stay in tune, I suppose, with your Absolutely. journey and where you're going. Um, but on the topic of, I guess, setting fitness goals, I know a lot of the time and based off the culture and the way fitness has been displayed or described to us over the years through the media or just through society in general, often setting ourselves fitness goals can lead to really unhealthy and unsustainable 
types of habits and regimes, especially things like fad diets or really short term um, extreme challenges, things like that. So my question to you is for anybody listening who wants to set themselves a health goal, whether that be grounded in anything you can, I'm happy for you to, I guess, choose an example if you like, how can they do that in a way that is healthy and sustainable? Do you have any tips? Absolutely. I think it's such a good question. It's such an important question. And my answer might not be the conventional one that people would like to hear, but (laughs) in both my professional and personal experience, I will say till I'm blue in the face, like it comes back to exactly what we were just talking about. And that is the motive for your movement. So that's your starting place. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with having a physical goal or like a strength-based goal. However, that those goals become incredibly wrong or toxic, if you will, if the motive for your movement underlying all of that is not in a positive place. So for example, it's like, if you're I always say like the, the key to a healthy diet, there's nutritious individuals save this one principle. The most important piece of any healthy diet is your mental relationship with food. Absolutely. There's a million, maybe not a million, there's plenty of ways to eat healthily and fuel your body um, that could work for you. And that will change and fluctuate, I think, as you do throughout your life. However, like you just like so beautifully described your experience that wasn't so positive with, you know, counting your calories. If things start to slip into a place where it becomes detrimental to your mental health, nothing else matters. No physical result is going to be worth it Mm -hmm. or make you happy. And it's the same thing with the gym. If you want to have, I guess, more succinctly put, your goals should never be primarily aesthetic. Your fitness goals should never be first and foremost physical. Mm. And that's kind of flying in the face of my whole industry a little bit, but I, I believe this with all of my heart, your goals need to be first and foremost about having a base level of like love for yourself. And if you're not in a place right now where you genuinely feel that start with respect for yourself, I'm moving my body out of respect for my body and the fact that it keeps me alive. And start there. And the more you do that, and the more you put effort into your intention to take it into a positive place, it will become more real. And once you have a healthy mental relationship with eating and exercise, then go for it, you know, get your pull up, get whatever it is, like the more physical or the more fun or lighthearted, even aesthetic goals. So long as you're doing them in healthy and sustainable ways. And so long as your foundation for all of your goals is coming from a positive place, That's the key. Now I will add to that. I think it's really important on a little bit more practical note to set goals from a mindset of abundance. And that's like the same goal of, um, okay. So one, one thing that I did personally to shift my diet, I used to drink like Dr. Pepper instead of water. I mean, I drink, I loved soda. I had soda all day, every day, never drink water. And I didn't tell myself I cannot have Dr. Pepper. That's not my goal because that's a negative thing. I said, I will give my body more water. And I had a goal. I think it was like two and a half liters a day. And then if I drink my water for the day, I could drink whatever else I enjoyed drinking. But having that, it sounds silly, but when we base our goals, however trivial in a place of abundance. So I get to do this. I'm going to have this. I want more of this instead of, I can't do this. I can't have that. I won't eat that. 
we are setting ourselves up for more success. And I mean, the positive psychology, you know, goes on and on through that, but I think making sure all of your goals, even if it's the same goal, rephrase it. So it's coming from an abundant language is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. That reframe is like so much more powerful than what we can discuss here on this podcast today. And you really just have to try it out for yourself, but it's just putting you in that instant headspace of abundance. Like you've just said, um, I want to go back to what you were talking about, how, you know, you start with the goal, the intention, sorry, where it's self-love rather than like the aesthetic goal. And I think, I think the beauty of doing that is often a byproduct of doing that is the aesthetic goal. Like it kind of often goes hand in hand. It's just about that where you're coming from, where you ground yourself in. So I, I just wanted to call that out because I think sometimes people think, oh, but I really want that thing, even though I have to start here internally. But often it is a byproduct, but it's just about where you're grounded and where you're coming from, where your intention's coming from. I was going to say, I think that's very true. Um, but I also want to redirect. I mean, every day I get messages from people saying, it's not working. I've been working out for X amount of weeks or days or even a couple months and there are no results. And I'm like, you are misunderstanding. You are the way that you're defining results is robbing you from seeing them all. Mm -hmm. Because yes, you are absolutely right. Your body composition will shift. Like if you sign up for my power programming and you are doing that programming as we're in for months on end, your body composition is going to shift. You're going to see physical changes in the mirror. Absolutely. But Far before that happens, you are going to have so many results that are so beneficial to your overall health and happiness and well-being, but you can't see them if you're not looking for them. So do you have more energy? Are you sleeping better? Those posts, like the serotonin you get from exercise, I mean, the actual chemical benefit is very real. You're probably going to have more energy. You know, you have more self-confidence because confidence actually does not come from the way our body changes. Confidence comes from building trust with ourselves, mm. doing what you say you're going to do, you know, follow through. So it's like, there's so many beautiful results that come far before the aesthetic ones or the physical ones. And if we're focusing and celebrating those, then yeah, like the rest will come and, and you can have a body composition change but it's wonderful all along the way. Whereas if you are just basing Focus. your journey off of how your body looks, you'll mm. never be happy. Yeah. No matter how big the change. Yeah. I love that you've just shared that. And and I just want to follow that through with it, with a story of my own. And it was from that moment, that time in my life where I was calorie counting and I was obsessed with these. I don't know if you have them over in um, America, but the in body scans where they tell you like your body fat percentage. Yeah. I think they're called DEXA scans or something. Anyway, the gym I was training at was offering them. And so I was doing them, um, you know, and I was using the body fat percentage result as a marker for my progress. Right. And it got to a point where my third scan, you know, it was getting down, it was getting down. And I mean, I'm, I'm a very small person. Right. And so anyway, the last one I did, which is the last one I've ever done, I stepped on the, the machine and I thought, wow, I feel so energized right now. I have the most energy that I've ever had in my life. I'm sleeping incredibly. I f I'm really happy with how I look. And I stepped on that machine and it was the quote worst result I had had. It had almost like I'd gone up in 5% of body fat. And it was in that moment I said, you know what? This metric is not, is not on par with what I am seeking out of my health and fitness journey. It doesn't, it can't account for all those things, all those results, like you just said, all those results that come before the aesthetic. So I. I just realized in that moment, like I'm completely 
incorrectly measuring my success or my growth in this journey. And so I've never stepped on a scale again. And I had that reframe in that exact moment because I just thought I was so confident in myself. I've had so much self-love and I was so, um, you know, happy with where I was at that I, I wasn't going to let some number on some test that really had nothing, nothing to say about any of those things dictate my journey. So I think that goes really nicely hand in hand with what you just said. And I think it's just a good point for everybody to reflect. And I suppose think about like, yes, we can have goals, but how are you measuring your progress towards those goals? And often I think it's that metric we use to measure. It really needs to make sense with what we're trying to achieve in the goal. If that makes sense. It does. Honestly, that is an absolutely incredible story. I mean, the fact that you had the self-awareness and the strength to say, no, this isn't right is so rare and you should be so proud of that and the fact that you followed through and you don't, I don't weigh myself anymore either. It's just, it's very unhealthy for me, for me personally, because the number on a scale or even your body fat percentage, it, it it is not indicative of your overall health. Yeah. And it can't tell you what you're feeling in your head and your heart. And I just think, I don't know, I commend you for that. And I just want anyone listening who's struggling with, um, feeling like to any extent, the scale, whatever kind of scale is impacting your mood for the day or your worth. Cause that's actually what it comes down to. Yeah, that's right. Please like listen to Erica's experience. My own experience is so similar to that and understand that that's not it. And you can't just waste your life being a slave to that. I think it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I want to stay on this topic of self-love and I would love to get a little bit more granular with you. So I know you talk about how loving yourself is a bit of a superpower and I would love to understand, I guess, given your um, experience postpartum and you were in a bit of a, a, a negative place, I suppose you potentially weren't coming from that place of abundance at once. Um, how like getting really granular, how can people actually connect with that self-love? So you, you mentioned before a little bit about intention setting so what does that actually look like for you? Do you have any daily practices or, or tips for people who are really struggling to find that connection? Yeah, I do. I think, I guess, like if I look back across the, the biggest shifts and the most work that I've done with my mental and emotional well-being and health, I didn't have tips or like I, I wasn't following. I didn't have anyone that told me uh, anything. You know, I, I was at a place in my life um, where I felt exceptionally shameful about my mental health struggles. And that's one reason, probably the biggest reason why I'm so open about them now, because no woman, no one, but especially no woman should ever feel like they are less than or worthless or should ever be ashamed of struggling with your mental health ever. There's never a shame in that. And it does not mean you're weak. It does not mean you're failing. Um, That said, I think looking back across my journey and the experiences that I've had with, you know, thousands of women sharing their journeys with me, I think the first and foremost thing and tip, if you will, is self-awareness followed by self-acceptance. And I could list off, you know, mindfulness practices that I use to help me and we can maybe get into those, but I think really first and foremost, 
there needs to be a reckoning and there needs to be a time where you just get really real with yourself. And mine came kind of on accident. It was just, I was doing one of my first workouts in my living room postpartum. I was probably like a few months postpartum. And I had this workout that was a home-based workout with zero equipment. And I thought, no worries, I could do this. And I couldn't do it at all. I couldn't do one single sit-up. I couldn't do a push-up. And I sat and I cried and I was crying, trying to be quiet, trying not to wake up my son and just feeling so physically weak. But I realized, you know what? This is exactly where I am physically and nobody can fix it for me. No one can make me stronger. The only way that I'm going to physically be able to build strength is to put in the work. And at the same moment, it was like I had this epiphany where I realized there's such a bigger problem. And that is how I look at myself and how I treat myself and my body. My body postpartum was beautiful. I couldn't see that. And I just realized I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to raise my son watching his mom hate herself. And so I just realized nobody can do it for me. There's resources, there's help, but I have to put in the work. And it was like for the very first time, I was able to see exactly where I was. Because for a lot of time, I knew friends or family would say worrying things. And I would just be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I would just deny how much I was struggling. And it was like, I just realized exactly the state that I was in with my mental, emotional, and physical health. And instead of shaming myself for it, for the first time, I just accepted it. I just said, you know what? This is where I am. And that's okay. And it's not even my fault. And I don't hate myself for it anymore. So it starts with the self-awareness of where you are and what you're struggling with, what pieces of your health journey and fitness journey are unhealthy. Where do you need help and love? And then the second step after the self-awareness is the self-acceptance, meeting yourself exactly where you are and deciding that you can do the work and you can make a change. And I promise everybody can, and it's never too late. And the healing journey will look different for everyone, right? But I think my biggest two tips are those. I think they're so beautiful. And thank you so much for being so raw and open about your own experience. I think there's definitely a moment we all have in life maybe not exactly like that, but there's, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there were little signs along the way before you hit that moment that you maybe ignored or you didn't tap into, you didn't let yourself just embrace it. And I think when you meet moments like that with resistance, it almost, um, you know, and they say you sweep things under the rug and eventually it's going to come out. That's how I feel now when I get those intuitive moments where I'm like, okay, I'm not aligned with myself or something feels off or I need to change something. So I think for anybody listening who may be in a similar position, I think being having that headspace where it's okay to embrace where you are because life is not perfect. It really, really is not perfect. And where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. It really is. Like there is, there is no other, you know, like really where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. There's no other place for you. You're in this moment for a reason. You're listening to this conversation for a reason. You're on sitting down, walking wherever you are for a reason. And you need to just embrace life's journey. It's not always going to be fun. 
and positive and happy. But it is those moments where, I mean, look at look at the turning point it's, it's created for you and the springboard it's made for your next career and your all the lives you're now impacting through your journey just because you chose to be, to accept and become aware in that moment. So I think that's so incredibly powerful. And um, again, I just want to thank you for, for being so open about your experience. I think everybody listening would have really been touched by that as, as I know I just was. Um, but I really wanted to um, ask you, I know you're also very open about these sorts of experiences and, and things and thoughts that you have on your Instagram. And I absolutely adore this poem you wrote on your feed the other week. You were talking about how we can uh, struggle and thrive at the same time. And I want to just share a little bit about why I personally connected with this so much in the context of the podcast. So when I started thinking about the baseline for balance in my life, at the time I was working as a full-time lawyer, I had the podcast on the side and I also have an e-commerce business. And a lot of people around me would constantly be telling me, you're doing too much. Um, you need to slow down. But in my heart, my heart was on fire. I was loving everything I was doing. I was still making time for friends and family and my health every day. Um, But I was constantly being told that I didn't have this work-life balance right. And so I started really thinking about that on a deeper level. And I thought to myself, you know, that work-life balance metric makes everybody feel like work's over here, life's over here. They have to be 50-50 split, which already as a nine-to-five worker is completely unrealistic. And the two, the two... (laughs) and the two can't merge in any way right and I was thinking there's a lot I do in my quote lifetime that really for me I consider work like this podcast in a way a hobby almost is a form of work work sometimes so I started thinking about okay well when I think about my balance and, and people's balance in general what are the key areas in our life and that's our health which is both our mental and our physical our relationships which is not only friends and family but love life as well And then I was going to call the third area work, but I thought, how exclusive is that? And um, it doesn't include people like full-time parents. So I ended up calling that area fulfillment because really whatever you are doing, whether it's volunteer work, if you're a full-time student, if you're working part-time, if you're a full-time parent, if you're a nine to five worker, an entrepreneur, it's something that fulfills you, or at least you hope it does. And that's not only limited to what you do for financial means. So if you just have a job, but that's also your hobbies on the side too. So your third area is fulfillment. And the whole premise of the podcast is as long as you have your foot in each of those areas at all times in your life, the the extent or the priority to which you place on each of those areas is going to vary depending on where you're at. So let's just take you, for example, when you became a new mother, Obviously, that family category for you had to take a lot more of your priority, but provided you're still making time for things that fulfill you to some degree, even if it's a lot smaller because you're shifting priorities and provided you're still making time for your health, that's your unique balance at that point in your life. And the reason I want to empower people to own and identify their own balance is because I quite frankly just became so sick of feeling guilty for doing things or not doing things at different points in my life. and. The whole flexibility with this framework is it really allows you to enjoy the ups and the downs of life, which is life's journey. Having balance and being feeling balanced doesn't mean you're going to have this perfect linear experience of life. It's about knowing when you're having those low moments and how to bounce back and what you need and how to really appreciate those high moments. And so off that tangent, I want to share that your poem really resonated with me. 
because your balance changes at different moments in your life. It could be from milestone to milestone, but it could also be from day to day. And so this concept of struggling and thriving at the same time, I think is something we also need to embrace in the notion of balance, because that could be exactly what you're experiencing at that point in time. And so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what led you to write that poem. Do you have sort of any, um, I just, I was very curious to know, I guess, your headspace and what your thoughts were on that simultaneous experience in life and how really we can start opening up the conversation that that can be your experience of balance. It doesn't have to be this perfect thing. It can be something that you define on your own terms, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, first of all, that's so beautiful. I think it's incredibly important, everything you just said, and I agree a hundred percent, you know, I think. Yeah. I mean, I could go on, but I just think what you're doing is amazing and, and really good and really important with the poem. Let Thank me you. see if I can find it. Maybe I'll read it quickly. Cause then it'll put me back in that headspace. When will we stop indulging in the lie that it is mutually exclusive to struggle or to thrive that our vulnerability isn't worthy that our burdens we should hide as if without the darkness, we would still appreciate the light as if failure, hurt and heartbreak. We won't feel if we don't cry. One day would ask, how are you? I might truthfully reply. I am gratefully, painfully, brilliantly, peacefully immersive in my life. I am flowing, I am growing, I surrender still, I try. I am dancing, grieving, learning, breathing, simultaneously leaving what no longer serves me, unashamedly behind. I am all of me, I shame no part of me. I am wholly, freely mine. I am broken, I love wide open. I am everything inside. I am hopeful. I am here. I am more and more aware. I am alive. So beautiful. You should become a poet. I've never, I've never read a poem of mine ever out loud. That's only of only like two that I've ever posted. So <laughs> you heard um, it here first people. <laughs> I mean, thank you. Honestly, thank you for asking about it and bringing it up. I I've written poetry for years and it's something that I've kind of kept guarded and it's very much a healing thing for me. Um, but I felt really called to share that. I mean, the whole theory of, I remember, gosh, it was probably like five years ago now. I remember very vividly, I posted um, this caption and it was just the whole title of it is we are and not or. Meaning we as human beings and especially as women are all parts of us. We are everything, every emotion, every, like I went through a huge shift in my life, um, some really difficult things in my personal life. And I came out the other side of it feeling like I needed to like relabel myself because I didn't know who I was anymore. And it was a dark and heavy time. And then I just finally realized why I want to be all of me and we can and should be. And all the labels that, you know, the world puts on us or that we put on ourselves, like we don't need to. And, um, that poem, you know, I, I wrote that when I was probably a week post surgery, I had surgery for my ankle in January and I was non-weight bearing kind of bed rest with my ankle, like up in a splint. And that was so difficult for my mental health, far more difficult than I had anticipated, if I'm being honest. And a lot of people are asking me how I was doing, which I appreciated, but I felt really inadequate to answer. 
because the first thing I want to say is like, I'm, I'm really grateful. The surgery went well. I'm really grateful. My injury is not worse. I'm hopeful for the future. Um, I'm learning so much. I'm gaining insight. I'm extremely humbled and that's all exceptionally true. But at the same damn time, I was struggling. I was in physical pain. I was in mental pain. I was going through, I was like reliving traumas from my childhood. I mean, I was really struggling and both were true at the exact same time. And I think it's always like that, right? With life, you can have, you know, with, with the beautiful example of balance that you just talked about, there can be one thing happening in your life. Maybe one of your close family members or friends is going through something difficult and your heart is breaking for them and you're wanting to be there for them. But on the other hand, maybe you just got engaged and you're so happy about that. And you have so much love in your heart with your partner. We can feel, we have the capacity to feel so much more than we can articulate. And we can, we, I don't know if it's productive to keep pretending that we aren't. And in the sense of fitness and in the reason why I wanted to share that poem was it's like, I get women all the time, especially with the past two years and the pandemic, it's also a mental health pandemic and people feel like so many of their old struggles or triggers are coming back around and they panic and they're like, oh my gosh, I thought I worked through this. I'm failed. I'm failing. I'm regressing. I, you know, I'm just struggling. And it's like that whole, it whole started it's like, when did we start believing that if we're struggling, we're not thriving? Yeah, because the two are not mutually exclusive. No, and the greatest growth in our life and the greatest lessons we learn almost always comes from the hardest times and the biggest struggles. Absolutely. So it's like sit there in your heartache and in your panic and in your struggles and allow yourself to be and know that, yeah, I'm struggling today, but I'm thriving. Yeah. And you are not weak or broken or have regressed in your progress or your growth if you're struggling. It's so silly to think that way. And I think in a fitness journey, we think that all the time as well, right? But it applies across the board with life. And so, um, yeah, I don't know if I adequately like articulated that, but that's, I guess, what it means, if you will. No, that's beautiful. And, and I think it's really empowering to understand that, like, if, like the example you gave, like just because you have, um, you know, compassion in your heart for somebody going through something tough, it doesn't take away from something beautiful happening in your life as well. And you can work out the, the sweet spot that makes you comfortable processing those emotions. But I think, I think overarchingly the reason I loved it, firstly, it was written beautifully. And I think you have quite a knack for poetry. So I'm hoping that you'll um, share more as you feel called to, because I really, really enjoyed reading it. But I, I, I think just that synergy of the two is just the two life experiences. The way I look at life, like I was sort of explaining before, like you have the low moments in life and you have your high moments and sometimes they come at the same time. It's not necessarily like a snake. And so having those tools and tips and even just little mindset hacks like this that give you that power or that comfort level to have that self-acceptance in the moment, I think is really, really powerful. So um, for anyone who hasn't read that post, go back, check it out. Um, even though you've you've read out the poem here, I've saved it so I can read it on in moments where I feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads and have that discomfort with I suppose competing emotions I'm feeling. But I think it's um a really good one to bring us back to balance. That's that's what I always tell everyone on the podcast. You know, you can listen to people's morning routines and you can try things and there can be all these incredible, really, really empowering practices. 
but it's just about having that toolkit because every day looks different. And sometimes you might just need to read a poem or you might just need to reflect or you might just need to journal. And so, yeah, I really love that you shared that because I think it's one that helps me sometimes when I th- when I need that kick to just say, hey, you can you can feel this way and it's okay is a really nice little validation. So, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And, um, the last thing I really wanted to ask you about was this whole concept of mindfulness. Now, I know you have a new program. You said it was the seventh one coming out on Sweat. At the time this episode airs, it will already be live. So there's no... Amazing. I wasn't, I couldn't remember if that was the case, but I was hoping that was the case. <laughs> yes, yes. So it will already be live. It's called the Redefined Fitness Strength and Mindfulness Program. Is it a program challenge? Yes, that's a program. So it's four weeks right now. I'm hoping to add to that eventually, but it is the first um, long form content in sweat, which means instead of like little gifts and we keep the timers for you and you just kind of click through and progress through the workout, it's like a follow along style. So it's as if I am with you in person, coaching you through literally every second of the workout and that having that long form enabled me to create this program, which is something that I have felt called to put out into the world and have been trying to create for years. Um, And basically it is sweats also first mindfulness content in the sweat app, but it's truly mindfulness meets movement. And I always want to like give this disclaimer, if you will, for people who want to try it, because it's not your typical weight training that you're used to seeing from me. It is just as much about mindfulness as it is about the strength training. And the sessions are like 30 to 35 minutes. And during that time, we will be standing still. We'll be grounding ourselves. We will be doing a little bit of breath work. We will be taking a moment for gratitude. We will be using affirmations. It is not all about going hard every minute in your strength training. So it's very unconventional. Uh, I don't think it's ever been done. I mean, In yoga, sometimes you'll see, oftentimes you'll see like beautiful mindfulness brought in with strength training. I, I was just like, why isn't this being done? Like, this is how I train. And I speak about that. I put my programs out and then I go on my platforms and I try to talk about how to make it mindful and the point of it and my goal with it. But this is the first time I've been able to literally show people like this, like this is how you can make your movement truly mindful. And I'm just so, so grateful that it's here. I'm scared to death. I mean, it's the most vulnerable thing I've ever done by far. It took everything I had to film this program and to, um, to do that. And I'm just overwhelmed with the thought of people having it, but also I really do feel like it will help those that it's meant to. And that's, and the rest doesn't matter. So. That's right. That's right. And I know you've shared a lot already about like what mindfulness in fitness means to you. So I think people listening probably have a good sense of, um, I guess, your input into that program. Um, I think it's really beautiful program just hearing what you're saying. And I myself haven't seen anything like that done before. I think often literally standing still is harder than <laughs> trying to push yourself to do like a max like pull up round or anything like that. Uncomfortable. So, it's awkward. Yeah, very, very uncomfortable. But just quickly, who would you say would this program would be perfect for? Is there is there a particular person or somebody looking for something or feel like they're missing something that this program would be particularly suited for? From an exercise science standpoint and the 
you know, classification of the workout portion, it's for everyone. And I wrote it that way very intentionally. It's dumbbells only. If you have been lifting for years, use heavier weights, like give it your all. If you're brand new to weight training, use body weight, use the modifications I'm giving you. It truly will meet anyone where they're at. And I did that because this program is designed and created for any human who wants to foster a healthier relationship with exercise. It's for, to be completely honest, it's for exactly who and where I was six years ago when I started. Well, I was just thinking, or me, where I was about four years ago, stepping off that scale. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, it would have been, it would have saved me. I mean, as an adolescent in high school, middle school, I mean, uh, yeah. And so, yeah. Beautiful. and love that. Before I let you go, I did want to ask you something very quickly about motivation. It's something, um, it's something I get asked about a lot too, and I have my own thoughts on it, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the biggest reason people don't stick to their habits or they lose motivation or just don't have it? They think they don't have it consistently. I think it's, you know, I think my answer would vary slightly depending on the individual. Um, In my career, I see very often people and women taking on way more than they should be. Um, Motivation, external motivation is very fleeting. You can never capture that and just always have that and harness that. Intrinsic motivation is the real and lasting motivation. And how do you get that? You take action and you create it. And that comes from consistency and having the discipline, choosing to exercise the discipline to do things even when you may not feel like it. So discipline and consistency are the perfect equation for intrinsic motivation. And that's what actually gets you to do things. The beautiful thing about that is that's actually the exact recipe for building self-trust and self-confidence too. But what happens when we take off more, we're say we're going to go from not exercising at all, a completely sedentary lifestyle to exercising six days a week for an hour. You're setting yourself up to fail. And then you're not following through with what you say you're going to do. And then you're losing confidence. You're losing trust in yourself. And then you shame yourself for that. You're compounding a negative with a negative. So it's like, we need to set our goals out of an abundant, positive place. Like we talked about and start small. And I think overall, um, in my experience, that's kind of the key to building that type of intrinsic real motivation. Yeah, I really wouldn't add much to that. I definitely think easing into new habits and routines is definitely the way to go if you want that habit or routine to be sustainable. Um, but yeah, I, that that kind of reiterates my belief that you really don't just wake up with motivation. It's the discipline and the consistency that builds it. So for anyone thinking like, I'm just not motivated today, a good reframe would be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm just not being disciplined or consistent today because that really is what underpins the motivation. And then externally, yeah, sure. People look, I I probably look motivated to a lot of people. I train almost every day. If it's not a walk, it's a gym session. I certainly don't wake up feeling motivated every day, but it's the discipline and the consistency foundation blocks underneath it um, that underpin that. So yeah, I definitely agree with everything you've said there. Kelsey, I want to thank you so much. Truthfully, I I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you other than watching your journey across the years. This has been an absolute pleasure to chat to you one-on-one. So I'm very, very grateful for your time. 
Um, for anybody listening who wants to follow along your journey or potentially even join in on your program, where's the best place they can connect and do so? Absolutely. Um, my, I'm on Instagram at Kelsey Wells is my handle. And in my bio, the link is to all my programs. So if you want to train, I do post a lot of free um, express style workouts on Insta, but all of my programming is found in the sweat app and in the iFit app now. Um, but yeah, that's all, it's all there. Incredible. And you'll find um, some little hidden bits of poetry and hopefully more to come. As well. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it.